What up, family? This is a sermon from the downtown congregation of Park Church. May it bless your soul as you dig deeper into God's Word. More resources and info are online at parkchurch.org. I usually would say, well, I will say, our scripture reading is from Matthew uh, 9, verses 18 through 34. When you have it, church, say amen. Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 34. And it reads, a girl restored to life and a woman healed. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter had just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put aside, outside, he went in and took her by the head, and the girl arose. And that report of this went through all the district. Jesus heals two blind men. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went away and spread to his fame through all the district. Jesus heals a man unable to speak. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been casted out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Hey, good morning to you all. How are you? Come on, it is good to be here. I feel like it's been a minute. I've been gone a little bit here and there, but it's good to be here. It's good to see you all. Um, here's what I want to do. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the room. Come on, let's give a hand clap. Hey, here's the reality. Man, if it's not to the mothers, man, we celebrate you today. Some of you are spiritual mothers. Some of you are like foster and adopt, uh, 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 adopting mothers. Uh, some of you also uh, um, uh, play the role of a mother in people's lives. And man, we just want to thank you for that. Hey, mothers are a gift from the Lord. Hear me. Many of us, I bet you we, many of us probably cannot tell our story about who we are without our mothers being woven all through our life. And so, man, there's nothing like a mother's love. There's nothing like a praying mother. And so, man, I want to take a moment. What we're going to do is I want to take a moment to just, we want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving 
Man, we want to celebrate uh, mothers here today. And again, um, some of you all are mothers biologically, but it could be spiritual mother, adoptive mother, foster mother. But man, we want to just pray over you and pray that God continues to endure you and continue to give you strength and lead accordingly because uh, a mother's job is never done. Um, the only time it's done is when the Lord calls us home or he comes back first. Um, and so let's just take a moment to pray um, for that. So as I pray for mothers, I would encourage you all to be praying for mothers as well, people that you know that has been influential, that played that role of a mother in your life. So let's take a moment. What I'll do is I'll pray uh, for mothers, and then we will go ahead and step into today's sermon. That sound good? Amen. All right. Amen. Let's pray. Father... Um, how great and excellent is your name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. I just want to thank you, Father, for mothers, the way that you have created them and wired them in a beautiful and precious way, Father, to know that you have uniquely made them in your image. And, Father, many of us have been recipients and received the benefits of a praying mother, of a loving mother, of a compassionate mother, of a patient mother, of a merciful mother, Father. And I just pray right now that you would, that you would uh, 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 give endurance to the mothers, Lord. Many are at different stages of life with newborns, some have teenagers, some have adults, and yet each stage of life carries different responsibilities and different burdens, Father. And I pray that you would empower them, that you would equip them, that they would be depended upon you as they continue to be a mother and parent to the children, to the men, to the women, to the boys and girls that you have placed and entrusted them in their lives, Father. And I pray right now for those who, what this day may mean that may not be such of a celebration, that you would be with them, Lord, that you would heal their heart because there's wounds that has happened within human relation with their mother. So, Father, uh, mend the hearts that are broken. Mend the hearts, Father, that uh, give patience to those that need it in this time, Father. So, Lord, we thank you again. We cannot thank you enough for what you have given us here, what you have given humanity, create, uh, given us mothers to be able to carry life and to be able to give life beyond the womb in a very impactful way, Father. So I pray again, Father, under the sound of my voice, by your Holy Spirit, that you would pour out your power, pour out your wisdom, your grace, and your mercy as they endure here on earth to reflect your image and your glory to those that you have entrusted them on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, give it up, I love that. Mothers are a gift from the Lord. They're a gift from the Lord. And for those who are worshiping online, man, we thank you as well for being with us. Um, for those who are new here, or worship with online. My name is Miguel Warren, and I am one of the pastors here, and it is a privilege and honor to be before you. And what I would love for us to do is we're going to sit at this feet of Jesus, and we're going to deal, and we're going to uh, deal with this passage today, and particularly when it comes to our faith and healing, how our faith leads to and is connected to healing. Now, let me give you a little bit of summary. We just finished, or excuse me, we're in, not just finished, we're in this uh, series uh, in the book of Matthew, and last week, Pastor Matt talked about uh, wineskins, 
And in between this, as Jesus is talking about uh, wineskins at this celebration, we see a series of healing events take place through our King Jesus. And what's fascinating between this section here, this is like the last series of healing that we see in particularly eight and nine. And so when you, uh, the, the conclusion of this section really is in verse 35, where it talks about how he, had, he went around healing many diseases and afflictions in here. And what's, what's fascinating about this, when you look at this section, even in verse 36, it talks about how Jesus looks and see compassion over the people. And what we come through here, I believe, is that we get to see Jesus, who is the revelation of God, who cares and who can heal. One who is of compassion. We'll see through these series of healings of event how Jesus has the power. Hear me now. He has the power to restore and heal all of life. That which is physical and spiritual. And so what we're going to do is the remaining, uh, my, pur- my purpose of today, this, this, the purpose of preaching this text today, the main point of this large section in these verses is for us as believers to have renew hope, to have renew hope in Jesus who has the power to heal and restore all of life. That which is physical and spiritual. And so in this text, we're going to see two observations. We're going to spend our time looking at two observations. The first observation is a desperation desperation draws you to God. Desperation draws you to God. The second observation is Jesus' response to the desperation. So two observations. One, a desperation that draws you to God. The second observation, Jesus' response to the desperation. Now, mind you, before we go in, I have to, I, I, I got to preface this here. There are two ditches we have to be aware of when it comes to faith and when it comes to healing, when it comes to faith and healing as they're connected here. The one ditch that you got that, that we want to be aware of that people fall into is they become cynical. Hey, I've prayed enough. I've tried enough. You know what? God doesn't answer. So you know what? Away with him. You know, forget it. It is what it is. I've done it a couple of times. It's been years and he hasn't responded. You know what? Those are stories of the past. That doesn't happen. That's the one ditch you want to be afraid of or be aware of. Not necessarily afraid, aware of. And then the other ditch on here is the abuse of faith and healing. Man, if you have enough faith, if you just give enough, if you just will enough, you will be healed. And then if you don't get healed, then the abuse comes, well, you just didn't have enough faith. You just didn't believe quite enough. You just didn't give enough. Those are two ditches that we have to be aware of. And what I believe that this passage is going to show us is how do we live in tension? How do we walk the path of life in tension, holding, beholding our God when it comes to faith and healing? Because it's real. It's real. We're going to talk about that. It is a real thing because people desperately plead to the Father for healing and it doesn't happen in the time that we want. But we see here through the text that our faith is connected to healing and we're going to unpack this here. So let's look at the first observation. A desperation, desperation draws you to Jesus. It draws you to God. 
What do we see? We see the desperation really throughout all of these, um, all of these people. We see it in the ruler. We see it with the woman of the issue of blood. And then we see it in the blind men who come. And then we also see it with the, uh, with the people who brought the demon possessed man to Jesus. All of these stories have desperation in them. But it is the first two that gives us a little bit more meat to talk more about these desperations here. And what we come to, the first one, is that we see this ruler, a desperation, the desperation of a ruler. And what's interesting here, you'll see me kind of refer back to the, the Gospel of Luke. Because the Synoptic Gospels mirror, or they, they mirror this story, but they tell different vantage points. But I like Luke because it gives a little bit more detail in, in, uh, when it comes to this story here. But understand what Matthew is trying to do. Matthew is trying to draw the connection to his Jewish audience to show that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited one. And, we'll show, and I'll show you that through here through the text. But we see the first one, the, the desperation that draws you to Jesus. We see this ruler here. The ruler comes and he kneels before God, as it says in verse 18, saying, my daughter has just died. But come and lay your hands on her and she will live. Where do we see this desperation? Luke talks about the ruler and his name is Jairus. And Jairus is a influential religious leader of that time. And what we see of this religious influence, uh, uh, this influential religious leader, he comes and he kneels down before our king. Luke says that he fell down before the king. But what we see here, understand what Matthew is saying, again, he is trying to show to the Jewish people how Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one from the lineage of the line of David. And he uses this language, just one of posture, one of reverence, one of worship, meaning he knelt down, which is saying, hey, this is the Messiah. This is the one that we have read about, the one that in the Old Testament that spoke of. And then we also see reference to that when with the blind men, where they use the language son of David, which is also a reference to the Messianic king as well. So understand that what Matthew's purpose is, how he's trying to draw the connection that Jesus is the Messiah one. But we see this desperation because he falls, this ruler falls down before Jesus. Why is that so impactful? Why is that desperation? One, he goes on behalf of one that he loves. But interesting enough, he does not allow the culture or the peer pressure of his peers, of those around him, to keep him from being desperate before Jesus. Because you have to understand, when you start reading the Synoptic Gospels, you start to see bit by bit how the religious leaders of that time were opposing to who Jesus was. And so even in that time, he's saying, look, y'all may not believe who he is, but I've heard about him and he is the one that is able to heal. And so he goes in desperation and falls before the king. He kneels down, one of worship. Let me ask you this question. What is your posture? Excuse me. How is your posture before Jesus? How do you, do you fall out in desperation before the king? Because here's what I, my belief is, is that some of us, we, we don't move towards the desperation piece because we suppress the desperation that needs to be healed in our lives. 
There are things that we suppress in our lives and we're carrying around in us that which is physical or even spiritual that needs to be healed. But yet we care too much about other things that keeps us from our desperation. Many of us have secret sins that need to be, hear me now, secret sin doesn't mean it's always something that you're, uh, um, that you're just doing in, 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 in all of its inappropriateness. It's, not, it's more than just sex and drugs or whatnot, but there's sin, there's things that are eroding in us that we suppress, that we don't want to bring to the Father. There's spiritual brokenness that we need to be healed. There's marriages that need to be healed, relationships that need to be healed, physical ailments, physically things that need to be healed. All the while, what keeps us and suppresses us is that we care about the status that we have curated in our lives and that if we show an ounce of desperation, we look weak according to the people around us. And in America, that is the last thing that we, that the message in the waters is that we should not look weak. We should be, you should be one that can will it and pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Don't show desperation. You know, this is the land of the living and you can be anything. And some of those are true, but that to the, to the fall, they're horrible to the soul of a man and a woman. It's a certain life that we have. That God forbid if we show our desperation, now we look weak. Then we show something. It's like, oh, we might have to give up something because that might mean something here. We suppress our desperation here. But let me go on to the next desperation here. We see the desperation of the woman of the, uh, with the issue of blood. Here's what we know about this when we see here. We see that she does come through. She touches the hem of his garment. And then she is healed from here. But again, Luke gives a little bit more flesh to this, gives a little bit more detail from a vantage point. This woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. And so that means her condition, her physical condition, constantly she is bleeding um, um, throughout her life. And that had implications for her. In Leviticus 15, if you go back and look, it talks about how when, things, when a woman is on her menstrual cycle, if you, she is therefore considered unclean. And therefore, if you, anybody that touches her while in that condition, they too are unclean. And so what we have is that this woman has this issue that is physically, um, that is physically uh, came with so much stigma in that time. And Luke even mentions how that she spent all of her last or she spent all that she had on physicians who did not have an answer to her conditions. Hear me, that's not a knock against medical professions. We're going to talk about that. God, medical professions are a gift from the Lord. But sometimes God puts us in a position that doctors can't even do so that his glory can be seen. And we're going to talk about that. But understand what happened was it was more than just her financial account being depleted because she's went to um, physicians, doctors. No, what we also see is that what came with that, uh, that time, that stigma was that she couldn't be in community. People would not want to be around her. People would look at her differently. People would frown up against her because they knew that if they came near to her and touched her, they too would be unclean. They couldn't go to the temple and worship. They couldn't be able to eat and break bread with people in community. So now not only is her bank account depleted, but also socially she is outcast from society. And let's not act like we don't know what that's like because when COVID hit the ranks and, hit, and, and broke through in America, when we start finding out people had COVID, there was something about it. We look at people differently. It didn't take much. So let, let's not act like this is too fathom to believe. We will look at someone, oh, you coughing. Mm -mm. What is that? 
We laugh, but that's true. We laugh. Oh, hold on. What you, what you, mm. And I'm not trying to make fun of the COVID. I'm not trying to do that. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is that the same way that this, the condition of this woman had a stigma, we too can very tap into that and have tapped into that. Let me stop. I'm going to keep moving because I could go there for a minute, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go on no holy rant. Let's get this. But here's what's beautiful about this. Luke talks about how the crowd was pressed upon Jesus. And when, he, when the crowd was pressed upon Jesus, again, he goes and asks, who touched me? But we won't go there. But we see that it wasn't like just this woman walked up and she just went and touched the hem of the garment and then she wanted to get healed. No, what happened was news was floating around about a man who could heal and one that could, uh, that could heal all things. So her curiosity was stirred enough to know that she heard enough about a king that can heal and yet she did not allow the stigma of that time to keep her from the one who can heal. No, what we see is that when it says that the, in Luke, the crowd was pressed upon her, I mean, upon Jesus. What that lets me know is that she had to maneuver and probably squeeze through the crowd to get to the one that can heal. And many of us done that when we've been on a mission trying to get to where we want to go. When there's a crowd of people, we bump into people, we catch elbows in our chest, we get our feet stepped on, and we over here, excuse me, pardon me, because we're trying to get to wherever we're trying to go. And we know what that's like to be part of a crowd and experiencing bumping that. And it is just my belief that it wasn't just a clear pathway. She pressed upon, she reached through, she went through the midst of the crowd that was pressed upon Jesus to get to the one that is able to heal. Let me say this, brothers and sisters, do not allow whatever stigma or whatever thing that you're feeling to keep you from the one that can heal. Based off of what the culture may say. Don't do that. Do not allow the culture and its pressures hear me. Because the culture will say he can't heal. We even see that the mourner, the professional mourners, laugh at Jesus when he says that the girl is not dead, she's asleep. Which lets us know that whatever we're dealing with may be dead, but God has the power to resurrect whatever appears to be dead. That which is physical and spiritual. And we're going to talk about that because this is going to be here on earth or in heaven. But then you have the Pharisees that says that he casts out demons uh, against the prince of demons. Hear me, the culture will try to make you seem crazy and will try to suppress you in different ways when it comes to experiencing physical healing or spiritual healing. Do not, hear me brothers and sisters, do not allow the pressures of this culture, of this world, keep you from the king, our savior, who is able to heal and restore all of life. Because we let one little tweet, one little Instagram post, one little comment of what someone says, and therefore that suppresses us, and we don't want to look crazy before people. Hear me now, many of us look crazy amongst a lot of things. When Black Friday comes, we get crazy to go get these deals. No, for real. Fights break out. We bumping elbows, and yet we know the one. We have the privilege to have the 66 books of the 66 letters of one who is living and active, and yet we allow the pressures of this world to keep us from the one who can heal. Brothers and sisters, let's fall out in desperation to our king who is able to restore all of life. Now, we see the desperation, 
But now let's look at the response, Jesus' response to his desperation. Jesus' response to this desperation. We see in verse 22 where he says, in verse 22, Jesus says, turning, he turned, Jesus turned, and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Interesting. Notice, you see the compassion that he models for us. He looks and says, daughter, one of compassion, not one of disgust or disdain, but daughter. His response to it, he says, your faith has made you well. We see the response in verse 25. Verse 25 is a response of the ruler's faith in verse 18. Verse 18, he says, but if you come and lay your hands on her, she, meaning his daughter, will be made well. And we see in verse 25 the response, when the crowd had been put out, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl rose and reports spread or reports went throughout all the districts. In verse 28 and 29, we see when he entered the house, the blind men came and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And their reply was, yes, Lord. And then he, Jesus, touched their eyes, the blind men, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. We even see in verse 33, Jesus responds. It says, when the demon had been cast out, we see that he's done that because there were people that brought this demon-possessed man who couldn't speak to him. The mute man spoke. Here's what I'm not saying, and we need to make this very clear. Our faith is connected to healing, an element of it. We're not talking about a faith just to will it. Well, I believe that I'm going to be healed, therefore I'm healed. That's, that's not... That type of faith. The faith is connected to the object, the one who is able to do the healing. So people, we see here that it, there is an element of believing, believing in the one, meaning God, meaning Jesus, who is able to heal. The belief in him. Not just belief in some random words or just because we go to some, some other things or whatever, but that's what we're saying here. We see that it is the object of our faith that, that in here produces this healing or that brings about this healing, an element of it. There are places where Jesus go and he heals people to show that he, that he is one of authority and that he uh, uh, has authority here on earth that points people to his salvation, the, uh, to the savior who he is. But then there's elements of our faith, we believing that he is and that he can heal. And we're going to talk about this here. But let's, let, let, let's, let's keep moving here. I want, to, I want to point out a few things in this passage that shows us Jesus' response to this desperation. I want to see a few things about Jesus' healing. Here's the first thing. The scope of God's healing power has no boundaries. The scope of God's healing power has no boundaries. How do you see that? Well, he's going to go heal someone who is dead. So we see that. Then you have the woman, the issue of blood, who has the physical stuff that's going on. And then he goes and casts out that which is spiritual. The demon puts that. There is no, there, uh, the, the scope of God's healing power has no boundaries. So whatever you are experiencing physically, God can heal. And we, again, we're going to unpack how he can heal. I'm not giving you false hope. I'm giving you real what's his word. Whatever is spiritual, he can heal. 
Whatever that which is physical, what is emotional, he can heal. No matter what you think, nothing is beyond the healing power of God. Nothing. Next, what we see is that God's healing power does not discriminate. How do we see that? We see a ruler who has great influence comes and pleading on behalf of his daughter and yet Jesus responds to heal and then you have a woman who is socially outcast, bank account has probably got negative in there and yet he still heals. The stigma that comes with the blind men, because we're going to talk about that because people thought they were sinner or their parents or somebody sin, that's what their conditions are. What we see is that there's no discrimination until God's healing power. So we cannot think that, do not think that you have not been healed or that people doesn't heal you because you don't have enough money in your account. God don't operate like that. And get this, it was a man that he went and healed on behalf of his daughter and that he's a woman. So don't think that if you're a man or a woman, God gives special favors in that regard. He doesn't. He does not discriminate. To the Republican, to the Democrat, God wants to heal. Don't think that God gives preference over... Let me stop. I'm... There's no discrimination against God's healing power. Regardless. What we also see is that Jesus gets close to what is unclean and not socially acceptable. See, understand, to touch something that was dead, the woman that was dead, therefore that person would be considered unclean. And then the woman who had the issue of blood, if anybody touched her, they will therefore be considered unclean. And yet we have a God that is willing to be close to the mess. Willing to be close to what is unpopular, not socially accepted, because again, we have a king that came not for those who don't need him, but those who are sick, those who are poor in spirit, those who need physical healing. Hear me now. He gets close to the mess. So whatever you think is all the ugly parts of our lives, if you think our God cannot heal, you can't deal with, oh, but he can. Now, what we also see is that the healing, God's healing power is not limited. What do you mean? He's at a feast, unpacking wineskins, discipling, trying to get people to see who God is. And then the ruler comes and says, hey, my daughter is sick. I need you. If you would be willing, come. I'm paraphrasing. He says, come. My daughter is sick. Come. Lay your hands and she will be healed. So Jesus and his disciples get up and walk. And as he's going to heal, he then heals a woman in the midst of it. As he's going to go heal someone else, he heals this woman who has the issue of blood. Then next thing you know, he, start, he goes and heals the blind man. And then he heals the spiritual, uh, uh, the demon-possessed person here. What we see is that there is no limit to God's healing power. It's not like his healing power has a tank. Oh, it's on E. I didn't heal three people today. So I'm going to need you to grab a ticket, uh, call the DMV. You can schedule your appointment, come in, and then I'm going to heal you on this day at that time. That's not the God that we serve. No, it's no limit to it. He's not saying grab a ticket and stand in line. No, what we see as he's going about doing ministry, there's no limit to his healing power. He can heal, again, the scope of it, whatever you're dealing with, but also he can heal people at multiple times in different places. There's no limit to his healing power. And then this last one here is sickness and disease. And sickness, disease, and the spiritualness and spiritual is subject to Jesus' authority and power. There is no sickness, no disease, or brokenness that can trump God. No pun intended. But what I'm saying is that, here's what I'm saying, that what we see that in the midst of what is physically, what is physically needs to be restored, what is spiritually needs to be restored and healed, it does not prevail in his presence. And we're going to talk about that. 
Now, let's park this here real quick. I need to, we, we need to unpack some things and become very clear. As I told you, our faith, believing, the believing faith of, in the one who can heal produces healing. Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Then he goes on and says to the, uh, um, he says that to the, uh, the women, it's your blood. And then we see the faith demonstrated in the ruler when he goes before and falls down in desperation to ask his daughter to be healed. But then he tells the blind men, according to your faith, it be done to you. Now, again, I have to make this very clear. He is not saying that because your faith meter is X amount, therefore now you are healed. That's not what he's saying. It is not that, oh, the quality of your faith therefore produces healing. That's, that's, that's not what he is getting at. And hear me now. Again, it is the object of our faith, believing in the one who is able to heal brings about healing. But let me say this again. Faith and doubt can mix in the midst of healing. Where do you see that? The woman said, if you look here in the passage, in particular, um, look at verse 21. It said, for she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, this if I only touch, this is introduces a measure of doubt into the woman's statement. So do not think that if there is doubt, God is saying, therefore, I won't heal you. That's not what it's getting at. Because there could be, if we're honest, if you've been laboring for healing for many years, that can wear on us for a while. And then there could be an element of like, man, all right, people want to pray for me. Okay. You know, help, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So don't think that just because you doubt, that doubt and faith can't mix. That's not true. But understand this. Let me say this. Praiseworthy faith. Again, one that, is, that can worship, and want, worship the one who is able to heal. Praiseworthy faith does not doubt God's ability to act, but it does not presume to know how he will choose to act. Let me say that again. Praiseworthy faith does not doubt God's ability to act, but it does not presume to know how he will choose to act. So again, there's an element of like, okay, I know he can heal. I just know how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it. And we're going to unpack that here. And I need to say this here. Let's, <clears throat> let's get real. We've been getting real, but let's get real. I need you to understand I need to make something very clear. God... Um, People who have not been healed yet, people who are experiencing, um, who has not been healed, whether you, people are experiencing like real chronic pain in this room, real illness, physical illness, diseases. There's people that are having infertility issues who had had them or probably currently have them. Here, here, the real issues, real life stuff. There are people who have uh, um, mental issues because like sometimes when the physical takes place, it does affect that which is emotional and mental as well. If you're in there, you, that, here's, hear me now. God doesn't love you any less. I think that's important to understand. 
When you hear the stories of people healed, when you hear the story of people being able to have a child after many years of infertility, when you hear the stories of many disappointments, yet you wonder and you go, hmm, does God love them more than me? No. Well, you go, well, he favors them more. No, that's not true. He loves you. And get this, him healing you is not predicated on, 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 on how well you have done over the years, right? He's not, he's not equated to that. So I want you to understand that God loves you. You're not less than, you're not less valued than. It's not like, oh, they got more favor. Well, I need to pray more so God's going to heal me. That ain't what God, no. I think you need to hear that because that is the spiritual abuse that people have said and that the enemy does, which is a lie from the pit of hell, thinking that you're not enough because you haven't done enough. Newsflash, our salvation is not predicating on doing enough. We have a God that is consistent across the board. So why is he going to sit here and choose to heal people based on doing enough or if you're performing enough? Our salvation is not even predicated on that. But I think you would need to understand that. Because that's real. That is a real thing with the issues that we deal with every day. Hear me now. And I say this in love. And I give us hope in the midst of people who wake up every day saying, here we go again. To the people that have doctor's appointments, disappointment after disappointment. Hear me now. God will answer your prayer, and that's not false hope. Those who are sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ, get this, God does answer the prayer of healing. The tension we live in is when will he heal? That's the reality. When will he heal? When? And I will say this, he will heal either here on earth or in heaven or excuse me, at the resurrection. Hear me now. That's, and we're going to talk about This ain't me giving you fluff. This is basically on God's word. He will heal. It's either here on earth or at the resurrection. And the tension that we live in that's really hard is when. Understand this. God heal, God's healing power comes at different times. We even see this in the text. The ruler goes to the Jesus who's at a banquet relaxing. Now, again, he's probably in the same village. I don't know what happened. Maybe it took an hour journey. Maybe it took two hours. I don't know. But what we see is that a woman that had a condition that her father went to intercede behalf and later he heals. But then you have a woman who has an issue of blood for 12 years. It took 12 years and then he heals. And then you have the blind men, which we don't know how old they are, but we do know based off of John, uh, John chapter 9, where sometimes the disciple says, hey, who sinned, the mother or the or them. And so what that means is that we don't know the age, but they probably were born this way. And we don't know how long it was, but then eventually got healed. We don't know how long the demon person was demon possessed, but got healed. And what we see here again, and just even again, the, uh, the man at the pool of Bethesda that's laying uh, beside the pool in the other gospel that talks about this. Yet this, he was there for many years and then got healed. And when he got healed, there were many more that was there. God's healing power come at different times. But it doesn't mean you're less than. And here's the question. You say, well, God will heal on earth or at the resurrection. True. While on earth, understand, we experience a scope of his healing in this way. Sometimes he heals instantly and sometimes his healing is progressively. 
Why do I say that? Instantly, you're praying, there's something that comes on, and then you pray, and then immediately it is healed. It is gone. That happens. But then you also see progressively God healing, get this, through, here we go, our medical professions and the things that he put in place here on earth. So when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I need you to take, I need you to take this, I need you to do these exercises, or hey, we're going to have to perform this procedure and this surgery, and we're going to have to, or you have to take these type of medication that's going to help you engage with this. Understand that is God working through humanity. Get this. Where do you think the doctors and all these physicians get their knowledge from? They don't get it on their own. Yes, they read a book, but it comes ultimately from the one who knows all and who has all. So he works between there. He gives them the common grace to be able to make the right cut and to be able to know the right exercise to do to bring restoration. And if we do those things progressively, you see people get healed. And so sometimes we undermine God's healing because it's not instantly. It's not the burning bush moment. Hear me. This is the tension we live in. He heals instantly, but sometimes it's progressively here. And then he also heals. If he doesn't heal here on earth, he will heal heaven or at the resurrection excuse me at the resurrection we see that jesus god god when he does not heal he'll heal at the resurrection first corinthians chapter 15 and particularly verse 50 through 53 it says even though our, i'm paraphrasing here our outer bodies are decaying but they'll be replaced with glorified bodies that which is perishable will put on the imperishable when you die your soul is in the presence of the lord but your body is in the ground decaying and therefore, at the resurrection, we will be rectified. We will, have new earth, we will have new glorified bodies. That which is from the ground will be resurrected, will be matched up, and we will have a glorified body. We even see in James chapter 5, and particularly when he talks about healing, and it says those who are sick go to the elders and pray and have them pray over you. Yes, you ought to do that, and yes, you should do that. But what we see here in verse 15, he says, and the prayer of faith will save. Some believe that word save here could be to salvific or it can be to healing here. The one who is sick. And then it goes on in James chapter 5 verse 15 in that same verse. And the Lord will raise, that's resurrection language, him up. So what we do know is that if God does not heal here on earth, he will heal at the resurrection. And that's hard. Because you got to wake up every day. And you say, How do that, what is that? that? That is a hard tension to live in. But I believe that we have hope. In God here, and I believe that those who are not healed yet also demonstrate the work of God being displayed here on earth until he heals or until he heals in heaven. Hear me now. John, John chapter 9, his disciples go, hey, Rabbi, who's sin, the parent or him? This blind man. There's a person that's blind. And Jesus' response was this. It was not the man who sinned nor his parents, but, the work, but that the work, the glory of God might be displayed in him. So what do we see that what we experience, whether while we're here on earth or in heaven, the glory of God is and will be displayed. And if you are not experiencing the healing power here right now on earth and waiting to be healed, hear me now, the glory of God, the glory of God is being displayed through your faith daily. How does that work, you say? Here's why this is hope. Romans chapter 5 talks about it, particularly verse 2 through 5. And it goes on to say, I want to, in particularly verse 3. And it says this. It says, not only that, but you also boast in our afflictions. Excuse me. Boast also in our afflictions. Fascinating. In our afflictions? Yes. 
He says, because, here's why, we know that afflictions produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proving character, get this, produces hope. But get this, this hope does not disappoint. Why? Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given you. So when, so, so what we know through this is that when we are, even in our suffering, God's spirit provides a fresh experience of his love to us and for us. And when people ask you every day, those who wake up and you go to uh, the doctor's appointment and get disappointing news that we don't know what's going on, or you get news that your loved one has X amount of days to live or months to live, or when you're trying to figure out what is going on and you wake up and your feet hit the ground and you're like, this is about to be another exhausting day because I got pain through my body that I'm praying that God heals, but yet I still got to go do a job. The reason why we see God's, when, when people ask you, how do you do it? You will say, but God. And it is the faith that you draw from. It is the divine faith. God's, the divine faith that endures, that gives you the strength daily to press through that which is so difficult. That is physical different, difficult, spiritually difficult, mentally difficult, emotionally difficult. But you're able to live day to day because you're relying on a power that is divine, that is God. And so your faith is being demonstrated daily and God's glory is being demonstrated through you daily. So then when people look at you, they go, wow, I don't know if I can do it. And you can say, but you can, because let me tell you about a man who's sustained me so far. Hear me now, and I got to say this as we get ready to wrap this up. Jesus, and this is the reality, Jesus is the great physician. We know that. But understand, Jesus, who is the great physician, he places priority on healing the wayward soul of a sinner than he does the physical body. And I need to hear that because he says, don't fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill the soul. But he cares about, at the end of the day, your, your body's getting healed, and that's fine. It's going to be healed here on earth for those who believe him or those who are in heaven. But what he wants is he's after our hearts. He wants to heal that which is ultimately broken. And I want to give us hope as I get ready here to sit, take my seat. Dr. What I'm about to read to you comes from a man named Jonathan Evans, who he is the son and daughter of Dr. Tony Evans and Lois Evans. And if you follow the realm of Christendom, Dr. Tony Evans is a well respected one of the uh man you would say godfathers in the faith man who has demonstrated man uh what it means to follow jesus faithfully um in all aspects i mean the kids love jesus the whole nine and these are people who were praying relentlessly his wife ended up dying from cancer and they pray relentlessly they had people marching around their block marching around their home they have different people from different states and writing letters and flood in and at the end of the day his wife ended up dying and Jonathan Evans gives this eulogy, and I think this is powerful. He's just, this is a conversation that he was having with God, trying to wrestle through why his mother was not healed physically here on earth. Who was a believer, by the way? She was. Here's what he says. You don't understand the nature of my victory. This is God talking to John. He said, you don't understand the nature of my victory. Just because I did not answer your prayer your way does not mean that I haven't already answered your prayer anyway. There was always only two answers to your prayer. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. 
Either she was going to live or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either she was going to be well taken care of or she was going to be well taken care of. Victory belongs to me because of what I have already done. The two answers to your prayer are yes and yes. Victory belongs to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, victory belongs to Jesus because he went to a cross and died a death that you and I could never do. What took six hours for him to do, what it took us an eternity to do, and he rose with all power in his hand, and therefore, victory belongs to Jesus. Understand, victory belongs to Jesus because many are the afflictions of the righteous, as the Bible says. But then the Bible also says God will heal and deliver those people. Victory belongs to Jesus because weeping may endure for a night, it may endure for 40 years, it may endure for 20 years, 18 months, 70 years, but joy comes in the morning, meaning that morning is that win at the resurrection when he makes all things new here, therefore all things will be healed. Victory belongs to Jesus because when he died on that cross, he defeated death. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy, excuse me, enemy or excuse me, in verse 12, the last enemy that he will destroy is death. Understand, victory belongs to Jesus, brothers and sisters, because there is a day when the words will say, and he will do, he will wipe every tear from your eye. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more wheelchairs. There will be no more disappointing doctor's visits. There won't be no more, you got this amount of days to live. There won't be any more of that because there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Family of God, victory belongs to Jesus. It belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to Caesar. It doesn't belong to your bank account, but it belongs to Jesus. And brothers and sisters, let us be a church that is desperate for our God. Let's be one that that lays out a, 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 a posture of worship before our God because we can care less what the culture tells us because we know we serve a God who is able to heal and restore all of life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We know that victory belongs to you. But Father, right now, I pray for my my brothers and sisters. I pray for our church right now because many are tired. And it's hard. We've labored on behalf of someone who we want to see healed, who hasn't been healed yet. who who, who, Who has unanswered prayers. And then we also labor on behalf to be able to experience healing ourselves, that which is physically and spiritually and emotionally as well. But Father, victory belongs to you and help us to continue to endure, to live in the tension, to know that if you haven't healed yet, you will heal. And I'm grateful that we serve a God that doesn't have limits to his healing, that, is, that there's no boundaries to his healing power. So God, help us to continue to endure. Be with us right now. Speak to our hearts right now. Give us the strength that only comes from you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Find us with at Park Church Denver. 
Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.